You're listening to the Vocal Fry Podcast, your weekly dash of voice science, pedagogy, and pop culture. Coming to you from your semi-occluded vocal tract, have you practiced today? All right, Vogel fam, we have a very special episode. Sarah, don't we have a very special episode? Oh, yeah. No, it's an exciting week. Uh, what an exciting week. It's been several week. exciting weeks. It's been several exciting weeks. What a, I, didn't, I didn't expect this spring to actually be what this spring has become. Yeah, I feel like we planned out the fall a lot more. And but then, then now, the spring, spring just sort of snowballed. Oh, my. Wow, what a few weeks it's been. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, thank you to the whole Vocal fam for tuning in last week for the 200th. Um, that was something we never thought we would get to, but, uh, here we are. And, <laughs> and as Fact. numerous people talked about it on the episode, I guess here we go for the, with the next 200. Um, Ooh. and, and what a way to kick off the next 200, um, with our three incredibly distinguished guests that we have with us, um, to share with us about Summer Vocology Institute. And I'm going to let you each introduce yourselves so let's let's start out with the boss man first um and, and and give him the place of privilege that he deserves welcome to the podcast for the first time ever dr ingo tiza hello good morning um all right well uh i guess you need you want me to tell you how please I got- give us a little bit of background about yourself tell us about how you became who you are <laughs> well first of all i'm um a World War II child. I was born uh, right in the middle of the heat of World War II uh, in East Germany and uh, uh, basically became a refugee from there to West Germany uh, right after the war ended in 1945 and then uh, later became an immigrant uh, to the United States uh, 10 years later. Uh, So I arrived in this country uh, when I was uh, 13 or 14. Um, How does it relate to voice? my mother and my aunts always wanted me to sing with them and for them. And so I grew up listening to the radio and that was all the entertainment we had uh, after World War II. Yeah. And uh, it was always the German art song and there were the opera uh, venues that I listened to on a regular basis. <clears throat> and there were in contrast, the ugly uh, words that came from uh, Goering and Goebbels and Hitler and others earlier that I didn't understand as a four-year-old, but uh, I heard what was uh, spoken on the radio um, often. Anyway, uh, my family was nice enough to uh, comfort me with music all the time. Um, When I became an immigrant to the United States, my father said, well, you probably will make a better living if you go into the sciences somehow. (laughs) And so I I don't know if I believed it, but I listened to it. (laughs) And so I've run two parallel paths all my life. And one is the music part of it and singing, and the other is physics. I got a PhD degree in physics, um, um, and I was attracted to uh, a school where Harvey Fletcher retired. He was the most famous acoustician at Bell Telephone Laboratories, uh, where I also worked a little bit. And, uh, and so I went and studied uh, at Brigham Young University uh, uh, the field of acoustics and then all of a sudden the lights went out of my head and i said well can we combine physics together with uh, the arts and study the basic science behind uh, singing and speaking and that's what i've done all my life and we are 
all grateful for it. Uh, Dr. Tisa, while this is your first time on the show, your name has been uh, spoken on this show a lot. I just many, many times <laughs> over these last five and a half years. So we are honored to have you with us finally in person. So um, I'm here to make the corrections. Is that the idea? <laughs> <laughs> yes, we actually do have a list. <laughs> I'm sure you could correct us on all the things we've been wrong about over these many years. That's for sure. Um, you just but, labeled uh, this episode errata. Yeah. <laughs> it's just all been an elaborate ruse. You think you're here for one thing, but... Well, just a funny uh, connection on, on what you just shared. Um, I, uh, Vocal Fam, Dr. Tietze and his uh, mentor, Fletcher, as he just mentioned, are both cited in the first chapter of my dissertation. So there's my little Ooh. connection that uh, Fletcher oh, and his right. associates and Ingo Tietze are both within the first, I think, three pages. It's actually cited. where the first correction is. <laughs> that's, that's what we're pulling out first. That's probably right. <laughs> anyway, all right, I'm just going to keep going around my screen, and Lynn, you're next. Fantastic. Hey, thanks so much. Uh, yeah, so I'm Lynn Maxfield. Uh, I am the director of the Utah Center for Vocology here at the University of Utah's faculty in the School of Music here as well in the voice area. A um, little bit of background about me. So I grew up in uh, the, the youngest of seven children uh, in um, the middle of nowhere, Idaho, uh, out on a farmstead that my grandpa had homesteaded. Um, and I grew up riding motorcycles and driving trucks and listening to classical music, as you do. Man, this is why we do this podcast. <laughs> this right here, like this stuff, combo. this is why we do this podcast. <laughs> yeah, and, and so, you know, it's it, early on, it was sort of shown to me that, that stereotypes are dumb. You know, you do what you want, right? If I, I don't have to be anything other than what I am, right, and what I like and, and be what I So anyway, uh, long story short, I, in seventh grade, I was in band playing the trombone, and our new choir director came in and announced that he would be directing uh, a, an abridged version of Pirates of Penzance. And I thought, Amazing. you know, why not? Why not, why not audition for that? And, and literally that like spur of the moment decision changed the trajectory of, of my entire life. I never thought about voice. I never thought about the singing choir and that sort of thing. I was always a band geek up to that point, you know, up till seven, seventh grade. <laughs> um, and uh, I did land the role of the, the Major General Stanley uh, in seventh grade. Um, and in seventh grade, yeah, yeah. And you know what? I still remember most of that title song. Right? It, it's amazing what sticks in your head after that long. But um, anyway, so in, in Ravalon and Ra Mamelon and Ravalon. Anyway, exactly. Square of the, many cheerful facts about the square of the hypotenuse. That was Indeed. Um, anyway, so then I, I sort of trained, changed directory, uh, trajectory, and I went to, uh, went to undergrad in, and majored in applied voice and with a minor in mammalian physiology. physiology. Uh, oh. Why there was a minor in mammalian physiology, I don't know, but that did. Amazing. Um, and... Uh, and second-guessed myself after that, went back and got my secondary music teaching uh, certification in, in mm -hmm. the state of Idaho, and went through uh, one semester of, of student teaching and realized, nope, that's not for me either. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> heaven bless any of you guys listening who are uh, secondary music ed teachers. Uh, you guys are saints. I don't know how you do it. Yeah. Um, anyway, so then I, I, I got accepted at the University of Iowa for... Uh, 
for grad studies in, in applied voice. And the literally the very first class, I don't know why the schedule worked this way, but anybody who had a TA or wanted a TA had to take principles of voice production. Um, and the very first class of my master's degree uh, showing up was principles of voice production taught by Dr. Ango Tietze at the University of Iowa. And little did you know, <laughs> little did, I, I really thought that when I got the first homework and it was all physics and I, I was like, <laughs> what is this? no, that's not true. The first, the first homework is not all physics. The second was, it was all special oh. brain curves. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and I thought, what have I done? <laughs> over the course of, of that semester, uh, I sort of fell in love with it, reminded myself of all of the science background that I really was was in love with as well. Uh, I went to a really small liberal arts college that allowed me to sort of, you know, dabble in lots of things. Um, and so I, I reminded of all of that and um, found out that they had this PhD program at the time in um, in voice science that basically split time between the School of Music and the communication science disorders uh, side. And uh, so stuck on for there and uh, got, got PhD in that and um, eventually landed back here around 2012. Amazing. Amazing. Cool. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's kind of crazy how these, these stories happen. Like you just end up in, in, uh, Ingo's class and, uh, voila, here we are. <laughs> I mean, I, I told this story on the, just on the subsequent episode about the Nat science and for pedagogy curriculum. But like, I remember being a 26 year old doctoral student who had just randomly wrote this Don Miller guy and said, Hey, would you, would you meet with me? And like, maybe like whatever. And then I spent like a week in his home that summer. Little did I know I was like, Oh my gosh, what world am I getting myself into? This is a terrible idea. Yeah, indeed. It's, it's incredible. Uh, okay. And then ro rotating around my screen to Brian Monternach. <laughs> Good morning. Thanks for having us, Nick, Sarah. Oh. We appreciate it. Uh, so I'm Brian Monternock. I am an associate professor in the Department of Theater here at the University of Utah, where I primarily teach voice to musical theater majors. And then I'm also a research associate for the Utah Center for Vocology, which um, I've been at the U for uh, 12 years, I think now, and I've been at uh, the Vocology Center for four. So I grew up in Iowa, less than an hour from, you know, where Ingo spent 40 years of his teaching career, though I wasn't aware of that at the time. I was too busy, <laughs> you know, working in the cornfields and playing in the baseball fields. <laughs> um, you know, I grew up in a pretty musical household. Both of my parents are good singers. I had three siblings, a younger brother who is also in the field, in the business. Um, we were always the family that people wanted to sit in front of at church because we would <laughs> break into harmony. <laughs> That's fantastic. More entertaining for us. <laughs> We'd always get the person that turned around after the last hymn and be like, wow, you all sing so wonderfully. <laughs> like, oh, thank you. So music was always encouraged. And um, school wasn't, wasn't easy for me. I didn't love to study. I didn't love homework. I didn't love going to school. But music I, I was passionate about. And so it was it was obvious that that was going to be the thing that got me to college and got me through college. And it was there as an undergraduate, I went to a liberal arts schools in central Minnesota, um, College of St. Benedict and St. John's University worked together. Um, and that's where I kind of turned my love for music into a love for learning and a love for uh, academia. Yeah. So after there, uh, I went to Milwaukee. I did my master's in voice performance at UW-Milwaukee 
Uh, I got married to my college sweetheart, Erica, and we moved a couple of times for her job uh, to South Dakota and to Indiana. It was while we were in Indiana that I started working uh, as an adjunct instructor at the University of Notre Dame and Indiana University South Bend branch. Um, and I was also directing a choir for Holy Cross College. And that's when I decided, okay, this college teaching thing is really what I want to do. So I uh, applied for the doctoral program at Indiana University, Jacobs School of Music. I got in there, did the degree. Erica moved us to Salt Lake City for another job right as I was starting to finish my degree. So when we got here to Salt Lake, there was a high school in the suburb where we live, a private Catholic high school, um, and they were looking for a choir director. It wasn't the job I was looking for, but I took the job because I needed a job and I wanted to do something. We get it. Uh, and I really liked it. I really enjoyed it. I did that job for six years, uh, directing choirs, teaching AP music theory, music directing, the school musicals, that whole gig. And so I was a few years in and I'm like, okay, this isn't where I thought I was going, but I'm a high school choir teacher. That's what I do. And then uh, at one of our productions, um, I was directing the orchestra and a gentleman came and looked down into the pit and he said that he introduced himself. He said that they were starting a new program, a new BFA musical theater program at the University of Utah. Then we're going to need a whole uh, faculty of voice teachers. So have you ever considered teaching college? <laughs> like, well, actually, that's <laughs> uh, <laughs> this is not how most academic appointments come to be. I just want to throw this out there, Mogul fam. For all of you on the job market, this is... Oh, man. Well, and I had rounds and rounds of applying for other jobs. And sure. um, so I actually added it up once and I had applied. I have applied for 100 different uh, higher ed teaching positions. Oof. And I, uh, I was a finalist in 10 of those jobs. It led to one job offer that I turned down, and yet I snuck in the back door at the University of Utah. Fantastic. <laughs> there you so are. I got into the, the vocology area then because I was um, eventually, as I like to say, my desire to learn the material finally outweighed my intimidation. Ah, there I it is. Specifically cool. being there it is. the Voice Foundation, and um, I was there. I was having lunch with Matt Edwards and Matt Schlonegger. It might have been the year they won the Van Lawrence. Um, and... Uh, Matt Edwards asked, he's like, so what year did you do SVI? Like, <laughs> oh, oh, I haven't done it. He's like, what? It's right there. It's in your backyard. You haven't even done it. I'm like, yeah, okay, okay. <laughs> so I eventually did it. Um, and it's just been, uh, I think just four years ago, I, I finished it. I started it in 2018, completed it summer of 2019. And now this will be my fourth year on the faculty of the SVI. Fantastic. Um, we are so excited to have you all here to talk about this. And, and, and just, man, what, what I, I love these stories. I love that we've been able to bring these stories about so many people in the voice world to just so that we can all realize, you know, just how unique our different paths are and how there is no one path to any of these positions. And it, it's just great. Um, I will share as we start now and transition to talking about Summer Vocology Institute, hosted at the University of Utah, um, I, I, at the Utah Center for Vocology. Um, I will share that actually myself not completing SVI is one of my great disappointments to this point in my life that I have not been able to spend a summer in Utah and do this. Um, I, I, I feel kind of uh, perhaps... Uh, it's like the one uh, incomplete credential that I, I, I maybe feel like I lack. Um, but anyway, 
So tell us a little bit about how this program came to be, how long it's been running. Give us the backstory. Okay. I suppose that's my job. <laughs> I think you're the best suited right. for it. Yes. Around the longest. Yeah. The uh, Summer Vocology Institute really is a brainchild of the National Center for Voice and Speech, which was organized in 1990 as a consortium between four institutions, the University of Iowa, where I was teaching then, University of Wisconsin-Madison, the Denver Center for the Performing Arts, uh, not associated with the university, a Mm -hmm. freestanding professional performing arts center, and the University of Utah. And uh, we started that center uh, with a big grant that we got from the National Institutes of Health. And one of the components of that grant was to uh, teach both uh, graduate level uh, courses and a little bit undergraduate, but mostly graduate level courses. And so we began first with a um, vocology track at the University of Iowa, we called it. And so some of the students that came into the school ended up in that track. And uh, so the question is, where does the word vocology come from? Um, uh, I look back at the history of all of speech communication and, uh, and you know, how words were invented. And uh, I looked at the hearing science world and for many years, um, it was called auricular training, believe it or not. <laughs> and, uh, and then a person by the name of Carhart at Northwestern University invented the word audiology. Okay, audio meaning hearing and ology meaning the science of or the study of. And so I said to myself, hmm, why don't we have a vocology, which is the study of vocalization? Uh, And it includes all vocalization, not just speaking and singing, but even what happens in the animal world. Um, Birds and mammals do a lot of vocalizing. So there began the word of vocology. And we kept that for a long time. And uh, then we moved around our headquarters in the National Center for Sports and Speech for um, several decades until we ended up at the University of Utah. And uh, so we began the study uh, of the Summer of Ecology. Well, actually, Summer of Ecology Institute started already in Denver when we were there at the Performing Arts Center. But we continued that and brought it over to University of Utah. and you should realize that the National Center for Voice and Speech is still very much in existence. Yeah. But it is, but it is a non-university entity at this point. It's a 501c3 charity, and we develop a lot of teaching material that we then use in the Summer of Ecology Institute as it's taught at the University of Utah now. Uh, that, and, and, and the NCVS website is just ncvs.org um, if you That's want right. to go mm-hmm. to that website, VocalFam, which I've pointed you to before for your knowledge about medications uh, and voice. Um, a- anyway, okay, so like, you know, I mean, let's say that like someone is maybe interested in, in, in some continuing education. Tell us a little bit about you know, the breakdown of what they might get at SVI, what, you know, I know, I know, I always, I always hear about the different blocks. I always hear about people doing block one, block two, block three, (laughs) you know, tell, tell us a little bit about what might, you know, what might someone be looking at? Yeah, I I can kind of jump in there uh, at this point. So um, the, 
the entire institute consists of four courses, all right, four graduate level courses. Uh, the first course is Principles of Voice Production, um, and Dr. Tietzer can talk more about the content of that one since that really is, um, I mean, it's synonymous with Dr. Tietze, right? I mean, it, um, I mean the book, I mean, in, in and of itself. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, and then the second course is, uh, the second two courses are Instrumentation for Voice Analysis and Voice Habilitation. And then the final course is uh, Voice for the Performer. And uh, it's interesting that we get the, the structure has become uh, ubiquitous of, of talking about the blocks uh, and it's odd that we're talking about this right now because this year uh, we're actually changing up our calendar a little bit and sort of playing with an, a new idea that moves away from the block system a little bit. Oh! It's been, embraces the individual courses themselves. Okay. Um, mm -hmm. So we have condensed the time frame down to six weeks. Uh, we're understanding that it's a lot of time to be away from every uh, from your home. Uh, it's a lot of expense to get here. So we're trying to, to maximize our time a little bit more um, to push things through. So the first three weeks of uh, instrumentation, or excuse me, of principles of voice production um, still stands alone. There's no other work because that's enough um, uh, to, to get through. Having one read course. a lot of it on my own, yes, that yeah. is enough. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Uh, so then on the, on the last day, then uh, we start in the afternoon, we start instrumentation for voice analysis. Um, and then that feeds into the next week. And then we have instrumentation and uh, voice habilitation sort of running concurrently. They're, the the uh, new calendar is, is up uh, on our website at vocology.utah.edu. Um, and and you can take a look at that new calendar. It's it's a little bit different. Um, there's you can still come in. Uh, the only requisite that we really have is that you have to take principles of voice production before you take any of the of the uh, remaining courses. Uh, but you can still come in and take any one of those courses that you want in a summer. Uh, if you can't get away for an entire six weeks, uh, we understand that. But uh, but that's the new structure that we have for it. Um, we still end with uh, with voice for the performer, still begin, but but things overlap just a little bit more. We're also having a few Saturday uh, courses in there again, trying to maximize people's time. We understand the the commitment that this is uh, to step away from uh, from home life and and do this. Um, so you know, what do you get? Uh, what what is the the takeaway, I, I went back a few weeks ago, I was looking this up for a talk that Brian and I uh, gave to our uh, Cal West Nats. Um, I went back to a 1992 General Journal of Voice article that, that Dr. Tietze wrote uh, titled uh, A Case for a Curriculum in Vocology or something like that. Mm -hmm. Justification. I remember. Rationale for it. Yeah. Um, and he put here that the primary focus of this training is to meet the vocational and recreational needs of a, uh, of a particular individual, not simply to achieve a normal voice. And this is where it steps aside from rehabilitation uh, on the side of, of speech language pathology voice therapy. It's really the extension to what does that voice user need? And it's not just for performance, but what is it that you want or, or need to do with your voice that you cannot uh, and the training that we provide is to help the folks who graduate here work with their clients to meet their needs and or desires um, that they're looking for. So th there's really three goals that we have um, 
We want to provide them with the fundamental governing uh, fundamentals that are govern voice production. That's mm -hmm. our uh, principles of voice production. We want to give them the tools for quantitative uh, analysis and visualization of voicing. Um, and then we want to work on the habilitative practices um, that are needed to go beyond voice restoration. And those are voice both covered in both in voice habilitation and voice for the performer. So that's sort of this, the scope of, of what we try to, to provide for our attendees. Um, so in terms of these different courses, let's just talk about each of them just briefly. Um, so let's say that I'm, I'm considering, I'm someone considering doing SVI. Um, first of all, so you're saying that basically, just for my clarification, so I could come do like, let's say, principles of voice production one summer and then and not do anything else. That's absolutely correct. Like I could just okay. do that. It could be like a four-year thing. And in a subsequent right. summer, come back and do another two or something like that. That's yeah. right. And and many people have done exactly that. Okay. I'm sure that would feel much more manageable, I yeah. would think. Certainly, especially after principles of voice production. So a lot of people <laughs> like go and sit yeah. on that for a year. Yeah, um, I love that. And so, it's actually really yeah. beneficial, right? I mean, I, I, I tell the story that I took principles of voice production at uh, the University of Iowa as part of my curriculum uh, in 2006. And mm -hmm. I took it over the course of 15 weeks. Right. And we now have 15 days, right? It's very condensed. It's very intensive. Um, sure. So it's, it's impressive that, that they need that they can even take it in. Okay, but, so let's just deal with that one first. So, Dr. Tietze, what, what might one learn in principles of voice production in that, in that, first, in that first course? Well, we have to recognize that making sound involves uh, the physics of how tissue and air moves. If we don't have air in motion, we don't have tissues of our bodies in motion, there will be no sound produced. And so I try to go through 12 chapters of laying the groundwork for how do you quantify how air moves and how tissue moves. And then when you, the sound is produced, how do you characterize that sound? And that's all known as acoustics. Acoustics is basically understanding what sound is, how many frequency components it has, and, and, and how do you quantify that? And then we go into the applications of uh, what is a register, for example, in the voice, and, um, and, and what is a perturbation of the uh, sound when it's not quite clean sounding. Uh, you know, how, how do you quantify, for example, the irregularity in sound? Um, and that, that then, that basic uh, understanding then leads into what uh, Lynn is talking about when he uh, uses instrumentation to determine such as things as jitter and shimmer and uh, signal to noise ratio and capsule peak analysis and all these things that we have uh, we have tools for understanding how to quantify sound. But basically, you have to understand the physics behind it first. Mm -hmm. And uh, for me, the beauty is always bringing the hard physical science together with the performance. And uh, many of the greatest scientists were uh, performers. I mean, Einstein played the, played the violin, and he loved that every bit as much as he loved E is equal MC squared. Um, and yeah. so... Uh, that's what I try to do is to bring household physics together with performance and understanding of sound. That's fantastic. And um, 
I, I do see a little note um, about maybe those who have not taken math in a bit. Maybe it looks like you have a review document maybe someone could look That's at nice. to, just to prepare themselves for coming. <laughs> yeah, there's a little bit of math in there. <laughs> but, uh, I've heard from all of my colleagues who have taken <laughs> SVI that maybe I should review my math homework before I uh, come. There's not a whole lot beyond algebra. I mean, if you had a class in calculus, that's wonderful because occasionally you can write something in terms of calculus that makes the concept so condensed and wonderful and you don't have to use 50,000 words around it. You just sure. look at the equation. Sure, oh, okay. absolutely. Okay, uh, tell, tell us a little bit about the instrumentation course. Yeah, yeah, and I will. And I, I, I want to quickly... Uh, Please. Uh, Home back to Ingo. Ingo says household physics, and, and his household may household. have been a little different. My, I didn't have a lot of physics in my hand. Um, <laughs> yeah. I that, yes. <laughs> but when, uh, you get, when you get up in the morning and you put your eggs uh, uh, in, in the frying pan, and that is physics all over the place. <laughs> you know, and that's the beauty of it. I, exactly, uh, Ingo. You you do such a great job of bringing us back to reminding us that everything is governed by physics um, and we just ignore it, right? Or we, or we don't take it, we don't really think about it at that level. But you bring us back to that in your course um, to the understanding of how this instrument that we wake up, that the very first thing we do when we are born is scream, yep. right? Cry. Uh, it's, and you, you bring us back to what are the principles that are that are uh, underlying all of that? Anyway, you do do it, it is intimidating, and everybody gets nervous about it. And frankly, there are a lot of people that struggle with the math, but they they get it, they do it. Yeah. We've never yeah. had anybody fail out at the. Well, that's not true, but uh, <laughs> but but I I, I don't want to say that it's easy, but it but it's accessible, and we're here to help. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and, and it's all there. So anyway, that was my little sidebar. Uh, no, it's great. Instrumentation for voice analysis. So basically, I break it down into three sections. Um, I would look at uh, acoustics, acoustic analysis. How do we take the, uh, the sound signal uh, and, um, and analyze it? How do we visualize it? How do we um, assess it? And how do we quantify it, right? Yep. Uh, we use a lot of prot now. Uh, we used to use um, more of the expensive equipment, the K Pentax systems and yeah. things. And those, those are great. And we still do introduce uh, people to those. But Prot has become so useful uh, with different plugins and different scripts and things that um, that there's less and less of a need to spend $20,000 on a, on a system. Yeah. Um, Spend your money on the mics and cables and things, you know, and and then and a sound uh, booth and, and a good and a sound. Well, yeah, if you if you got a sound booth, that that, that helps. Um, and then uh, second part is aerodynamics, right? We we take a look at, at uh, airflow measures and um, and uh, assessing that signal. Uh, and then we also bring it back into our ear because uh, what you know the instrumentation is great for capturing signals, but uh, it will never replace our ear and we don't want it to replace our ear. So we do spend a, a fair bit of time on uh, auditory perceptual ratings uh, and how do we assess voice and the sound using just our, our own uh, instrumentation that's built in. 
And then I add in uh, some introduction to sort of the basic fundamentals of research and research design. Sure. Uh, because part, partly I, I feel like there's an ethical uh, need there. If I'm going to give all these tools, um, mm-hmm. I need to make sure that they that you go out sort of understanding what you can and cannot do with that. Part of that is I do make you do a human subjects ethics training um, oh. uh, because I do think that's, uh, again, just ethics on my side. I'm giving you all the tools to run. Uh, mm-hmm. I better give you some shoes to run with, right? I, I agree a thousand percent. Yeah. Uh, and so that's our, that's basically that course in a, in a nutshell. We do introduce to the more expensive systems, but we try to bring it back to what you could do uh, on a departmental budget. I mean, you know, it, it, two things about about what you just said with that. I mean, because that's very much um, one of the things that we try to do here in the program and with with the equipment. But like I always tell them, if as I told Sarah when she was doing her graduate degree. I was like, look, if you want to play with the toys, you need to do the background work on A, why you would even need to, and B, then understanding the ethics of you're going to actually have a human in here. We're going to take some measurements on them. Uh, We need to know the responsibility. Remember doing your city training, Sarah? I do. I do. That was a a time. There was (laughs) a lot of those. Um, I mean, and with good reason, with good reason, but there was a lot. But also, I mean, and Liz, I would say to you also, I mean, you know, like we're looking at signals right now. See, see all the wonderful things you're being prepared for, for like, if you ever do SVI. Oh yeah. Exactly. 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 Well, yeah. Liz, I, is in, I, Liz is in my acoustics course right now, so um, yeah. So she's 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 being bombarded with it at the same time she's trying to get her lecture recital together. Oh, yeah. This this is the beauty of marrying sides of your brain. Well, that's not true, but, uh, but uh, that's that's pop science. But uh, but yeah, you, you're using all these different different things. And I love uh, uh, Nick that you do that. Uh, that you remind them what what it is that you're using all these toys with because they are they're fun and they're fancy and they give you a cool picture and it and it feels cool mm-hmm. uh, this is what i love about when when the students that come into my class um come after having principles of voice production i'm reminding them that you have to know enough to know when not to trust the number that that algorithm spit or that that uh computer system spits gosh out. i wish we just even understood that about spectrograms right like, yeah exactly like, let's let's just start there oh yeah. my gosh nobody realizes that it's an average i mean like i mean anyway yeah you, you have to sort of pop the hood on the system a little bit enough to know what settings are in there and mm. and what uh what could be going wrong that says, wait, my ear doesn't hear that at all. Um, yeah. You know, and, and so why, but instead of just saying, well, that's the number that I got, there's my spreadsheet. Uh, so bada bing, bada bing, publish. All right. Oh gosh. Oh, okay. That just gave me like PTSD flashbacks to like 2000. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, anyway, uh, great. So then, what about what about what about the voice habilitation? You said that's that, that's now happening subsequently, or uh, no? It's still, no, it's dovetailing both with instrumentation and with uh, voice for the performer. It's sort of oh, okay, uh, mm. interlapping there. It'll be an afternoon or a morning course, um, uh, depending on the, on our scheduling a little bit there. But this one, we have three different faculty that come in uh, and teach. They teach. Uh, we follow the uh, the vocology textbook. And again, by Dr. Tietza and Dr. Berlini Abbott. 
Um, and uh, our three faculty this year are uh, Aaron Johnson from NYU and uh, Katie Verdolini, uh, UDEL, and, uh, and Marco Guzman will, will teach our third week um, from Univers Universidad yeah. de los Andes, I think. Well, well done. Uh, I, was, I was not even going to try it. <laughs> I'm getting there. Um, so, uh, again, exceptional faculty. and um, oh, Great group. You know, I was just thinking, uh, I was thinking about how to describe this course. And I think what I've come on is you can think of it as a voice pedagogy text or a voice pedagogy class that's not singing centric, right? It's how sure. to train the voice, how to train voicing. Uh, it's, it's all those fundamentals that govern how does a voice user learn new voice skills, habits, traits, Etc. Okay. Um, it's not singing centric, but it certainly applies to very practical. Singing. Yeah. 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 I, it's very practical application. I very much appreciate um, you all's use of a the term vocology, but also the use of voice habilitation because. Um, as someone who collaborates with a medical center on research, but who is not allowed to practice rehabilitation there because I don't have a licensure. Um, and it, 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 I, I think that we need, we in the singing voice community need to realize when we need to refer out and what our actual scope of practice is. It's a big thing I talk about in the pedagogy classes, mm -hmm. as Liz and Sarah would both confirm. And that, that I, I'm, I'm so glad you all do that. And, and, and fr I, I know you all frame it well. Yeah. And I, I think that's so critical to our field because – too often, I think we've seen voice teachers maybe throw out the word rehabilitation when they should. That needs to be referred out to someone who is competently qualified and licensed to do that. Um, yeah, so. you know, and and at the same time, I think that it while doing that also empowers us as singing teachers, and and I join you in the non-credentialed crowd who collaborates, right? Right. Uh, mm -hmm. But it empowers us then to take ownership of what we can do and what we yeah. should be doing, right? Yeah, um, of course. And, and uh, that's the that's the beauty of understanding our lanes is that we really get to own our lane too, right? Yeah, exactly. And it's not to be gatekeeping about why this is my mm -hmm. lane or that's not. It's like it's really trying to protect the other the other person, like the client. I mean, I mean, really. Sure. So it's all it's, about meeting the needs of the client, right? Absolutely. All absolutely. right. So. So let's talk about the voice for performers block. What, what, what is that all about? Sure, sure. So um, the, the book that um, Lynn just mentioned, you know, the vocology textbook, the subtitle of that book is The Science and Practice of Voice Habilitation, right? So I feel like block three, voice for the performer, is where uh, science sort of meets practice for the voice performer in a variety of voice performance areas. So this idea of habilitation being enabling the voice, capacitating the voice, or equipping the voice for specific tasks. And uh, we try to bring in at least an exposure and an experience with those who teach different genres of music, sure. uh, those who approach the teaching of singing, um, so that people have some of those tools to either experiment with further or um, know which sort of questions to ask. So we, we have a bit of a rotating faculty. There are some who come back almost every year and others that we rotate around just for fresh perspectives. Uh, many of them are SBI grads. Uh, I do a day on uh, musical theater singing. Uh, of course. A, a vocology informed approach to musical theater singing. Um, 
John Nix has been teaching for us for a lot of years. He's kind of our utility player. We can sort of plug him in <laughs> wherever yeah. he something covered. So good friend of the podcast. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so he's he's done a lot of things for us in the past, but this year he's going to be uh, specifically teaching about um, devising strategies for teaching. Um, so oh, cool. Generally for classical music, but uh, not not exclusively. Sure. Uh, Kate Devore comes in pretty regularly as well. She is a, a acting voice coach uh, in the Chicago area. Works mm -hmm. with a lot of um, the area theaters there, the Goodman, the Steppenwolf, um, Chicago Shakespeare, Chicago Lyric Opera. Um, she's one of those University of Iowa grads where she has an undergrad in, um, in theater, but she has a master's degree in speech language pathology, co-author of The Voice Book with Star Cookman, another uh, U of I grad and another speech language pathologist. Kate does a couple of days on voice for the actor and uh, so, which is really, for me, that was really eye-opening to see, even working in a theater department, to see how differently we can train the acting voice versus the singing voice. A lot of parallels, but also a lot of differences. Um, I think her, her workshops on uh, screaming, stage screaming, are generally some of the more memorable experiences folks take with can't, Sure. can't imagine why. <laughs> yeah. Uh, a couple of recent, uh, both of these teachers who taught for us uh, last year for the first time, uh, Lisa Butcher works at the Lions Voice Clinic at the University of Minnesota. Uh, she also has, she's a speech language pathologist there, also has uh, a master's degree in voice performance. So she's a classical singer and is going to talk about some classical singing, um, but also uh, maybe some of the, the injuries or issues she sees with classical singers who then come into the clinic needing mm -hmm. some help there. Um, she's also going to talk a bit about um, creating an inclusive studio. Nice. Uh, and then Wind Vastine, they are also a, um, an SVI grad. Wind has an undergraduate uh, from NYU Tisch School in theater uh, and then a master's in speech language pathology, works at a clinic in San Francisco doing a lot of gender affirming voice care. So wow. Wynn's going to specifically talk about that, guiding the sure. singing voice. And they mm -hmm. deal with that in uh, as both a, from a singing studio perspective as well as a speech-language pathologist, that mm -hmm. side of it. Uh, Trinice Robinson-Martin, Dr. Trinice is coming yep. in to talk about CCM genres. Trinice, of course, teaches at Princeton and uh, Long Island University. Um, works for the Levetri Institute. And one of our Nats master teachers this summer for the yes. intern program. Mm -hmm. Yeah, member of the American Academy of Teachers of Singing. Mm. Tremendous, tremendous pedagogue. Um, and she comes in to talk about CCM styles. So she sort of dovetails with the, the music theater, but also does some pop rock. She's a specialist in jazz, R&B, gospel. Just a, just a tremendous person and a wonderful pedagogue. Uh, and then, of course, we have to have uh, Lynn Helding come in. She was one of the sure. in one of the early SVI classes. I think she took it in Denver. Um, mm -hmm. Of course, she's a USC friend of the podcast. I understand. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> and she comes in. You know, you know, it's her wheelhouse right now. She has, uh, in my opinion, completely made the case of for the third pillar of voice sure. science and voice pedagogy being the cognitive science. Mm -hmm. So she spends two days teaching a lot from her book, um, The Musician's yeah. Mind, um, about the importance of cognitive science. She admits, you know, that some of her, when she took SVI and Kitty Verdolini uh, was talking about motor learning, that uh, Lynn talks about it as being her holy grail. This is what <laughs> finally is like, this is going to be my purpose. And, and boy, has it been. 
Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then we kind of wrap it up on the last day. We come back to what I call the SBI's three wise guys where Lynn Ingo and I come back one more time. (laughs) Uh, And Lynn talks about um, the role of a singing voice specialist, you know, a singing voice Mm -hmm. teacher who is not a, um, a speech language pathologist who works on the voice care team for a voice clinic and what that can look like. And then we just sort of talk about, we do a wrap up and we talk about next steps for new vocologists. And now that you've done this program, where do you go from here? How do you take this intentionally interdisciplinary um, study uh, into the work that you're doing? And how do you continue doing this? You don't just go back into your own silo and stay in the silo, but how we can reach across and, and be collaborative. Fantastic. Tell us a little bit, you know, a question that I think people might want to know is, tell us a little bit about like, some of the kind of backgrounds of the people who come and participate in the program, like, like, you know, is it just singing teachers? Is it, I mean, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. I I mean, I can speak a little bit from the, from the last 10 years or so, it has been pretty evenly split in terms of professional tracks between, uh, speech language pathologists, uh, or, and, um, or singing teachers, um, exclusively in either of those directions, right? Um, there have been a few uh, along the way. We've also had several MDs come and, and do oh. this as, as part of them, just kind of trying to get their head wrapped around laryngology uh, and, and that sort of world. Yeah. Um, the beauty of it is we've also got a fair spectrum. Every year we have a fair spectrum in terms of their experience level. Uh, they're coming from, some are coming fresh out of, out of undergraduate school. Uh, some are in the middle of their uh, of their grad program. And then we always have a good cohort of people who are sort of mid-career, who've been out in the trenches and have learned a lot and know that they need to learn some more uh, and, and come back. And the relationships that that fosters, having, you know, everybody uh, from 21-year-olds to 80-year-olds in, in the room at the same time, talking about the same stuff that they're all passionate about. Um, that's, I think, one of the most important things that, that people take sure. away from here are these, mm-hmm. is this tribe, right? The, this relationship. Are, yeah, I, I apologize. I probably shouldn't use that word. Um, but the, this, we got it. We this got pod, it. Uh, you know, this, this cohort that they go home with, these relationships uh, that they build um, are really excellent. So they're, yeah, that's sort of, that's sort of the both professional background as well as experience level that, that we see. It's quite a broad spectrum. And yeah. um, w- w- is there a registration deadline? Like, w- w- at what point? By what point do people need to actually sign up for this? Yeah, so we we do ask uh, for uh, folks to. Uh, oh, darn it, I actually don't have that up in front of me. But I, we do uh, we do ask them to finish their application, submit their application. I think it's by the end of this month. Uh, maybe it's February fifteenth. Oh, okay. Uh, it's coming up for, fairly quickly. Um, we uh, we can accept late applications if we if we need to, you know. But but we try to get that done primarily because there is a fair bit of, of paperwork. We are these are graduate level courses, right? Uh, they're registering. They're right. registering exactly, and so we have a, a lot of background, especially particularly for uh, students coming from international. Uh, uh, coming yeah. from other countries, we have a lot of visa things that we've got to get through. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we're, that, that deadline is coming up. But I would say this, if you're interested 
in, in the program and know you're not going to be able to get that, uh, that application complete and, and into us on time, send me an email, lynn.maxfield at utah.edu. You can always reach out to any of us uh, and, and we'll, you know, we'll get you in touch with what, who we need to get you know, moving things forward. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. And and the website looks like it's, I mean, I just did a basic Google search for Summer Vocology Institute. It popped right up. It was the first web hit. Oh, good. I yeah. mean, it was, it like was. No I Google mean, optimization. I, I typed Summer go. Vocology Institute in, you all were the first web hit wow, um, on, on Google. So your SEO is appropriate. <laughs> um, so congratulations on that. Um, as we're kind of um, getting toward the top of the hour, um, I, I, we always love here at Vocal Fry, just if, if, if people can tell us a little bit about interests they have outside of voice, um, anything that piques your interest or, or that you, you know, kind of nerd out a little bit about that's maybe not just uh, physics. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so I'd love just a, w- one thing from each of you would be would absolutely be wonderful. Well, I, of course, I grew up... Uh, uh, in Germany for uh, about 14 years, and so I'm a soccer fan. I used to ah. play a fair amount of soccer, and when I came here uh, to the Salt Lake City area, um, I made it um, at, into the team here at uh, South High School, and we won state championship two years out of three that was here. And the only reason we didn't win the third time because I was a fool and <laughs> was careless in how I arranged our attack and uh, oh. two scores were, were uh, came at the end of the game with, with 10 minutes left, and we didn't have a chance uh, to make it up. But um, so anyway, um, we had a lot of fun playing soccer. That is great. But now the vocal fam is going to want to know, just because of our audience, but now they're going to want to know, do you watch Ted Lasso? <laughs> uh, Ted Lasso? <laughs> okay, I'm going to take that as a no. Okay, uh, great. Guess as well. Wait, wait a minute. Is this a guy that the comments uh, on soccer games? No, nah. he, it's an Apple TV Plus show with an American football coach who was hired basically to ruin a, a, a British uh, Premier League football club. And actually ends up being very successful. Um, uh, it's very popular. I, I, I just I knew people would be like, wait, do, does does Doctor Jitsa watch Ted Lasso? <laughs> No, but I'll add one more thing in terms Please. of uh, renaming and um, using proper words. I think American football should be called armball. And uh, <laughs> what we Honestly. play is football. You've heard it here first, vocal fam. Ingo Tietze <laughs> yeah. thinks that there it should go. be called armball. Arm so ball, just get sure. ready as you're getting ready for your Super Bowl of armball. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Fantastic. I love it. Fantastic. I'll, I'll, I'll jump in here. And I, I, just going off of that, I, I do love Ted Lasso. And we have a one can sticker on our fridge at the, at the office here. Um, Phenomenal. Yeah. But um, yeah, so as I said, I dabble in a little bit of everything, right? I, mas- jack of all trades, master of none. Uh, but one of the things that, I, that always brings me joy is uh, being outside in the mountains, um, I, hiking, skiing, anything that gets me up above the clouds and, you know, can, can sort of spend some time in the quiet, that sort of thing. That's, sure. that's my jam. Uh, Absolutely. Delightful. Definitely had the that. Introvert, you know? Definitely had uh, people that. share that one before, for sure. Yeah, for Brian, sure. what about you? Uh, honestly, the same as Lynn. That's the biggie, you know, living out here, especially coming from the Midwest to have the mountains and the deserts and, you know, five national parks within three hours. It's just, sure. it's a playground. So I try to spend as much time outside there, but 
uh, related to what has been discussed previously on the podcast, I am also <laughs> a Star Wars nerd myself. Yeah. So I grew up watching all of the movies as they came out. Yes. Keeping up with all the new series, even the ones that are bad, I still enjoy because I just love them. So. Okay, so what was your take on Andor? I liked Andor a lot. You know? I thought it was fantastic in yeah. the end. Man, I hated the first three episodes so it was, much. It was a struggle. It did take a while to get into. You yeah. Know? But man, once I was in, so fantastic. Yeah, I can't wait for the next one to come out. Oh, yeah. wow. Brand, amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, That's great. Good. Boba Fett, not that good. Boba Fett was my biggest disappointment. Yeah, but this season three of Mandalorian is going to just be so epic. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Anyway, March, March, beginning of March, vocal fam, beginning of March. Um, that's your thing. All right. Well, um, all, all three of you, thank you so much yeah. for making some time for the vocal fam. Um, this has been a, this has been a legendary episode. Sarah, this spring we keep rolling. It's a great time, Liz. Look at all these people you're getting to meet. I know it's a little intimidating, but very <laughs> exciting. Well, um, I am definitely counting on Sarah to um, live you out know? my bucket list and complete SVI ah. um, for me in my stay. <laughs> Yeah, I'd like to point out, it's not like you can't go. I know. I, I mean, know. don't get me wrong. Like, am I interested? Like, yeah, but, but I'm just saying. Well, the thing was, right about the time I desperately wanted to come and do SVI, I had my first child. I would do it. <laughs> but no, I, I think the fact that you can break it up certainly makes it, again, like, I think it makes it much a more lo- manageable. It, it makes it doable. Like, I don't know if I even already, if I could be like, oh, I'm going to leave for six weeks, but like, a few weeks at a time every summer. That sounds great. Especially, I mean, in the summer, it's hot down here. I'd probably be yeah. happy to go out where it's cooler. Come, come out here. It still gets hot, but you can get up in the mountains and get out of it at least. I'm you know? telling you, it, it can't be as it can't be as miserable. I say that. I'm probably jinxing myself. It probably can be. Oh, it's no. a dry heat. Mississippi <laughs> in July is pretty miserable. It's I can only imagine. fairly miserable but here yeah, in July. That would give you something to look forward to each summer. Like, yeah, you know, it's going to be beautiful. The nice thing about the new schedule is the first block is three weeks, right? Or the first class is three weeks. The rest of them are between a week and a half and two. So sure. yeah. in, in much smaller chunks. Uh, sure, 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 sure. And we do, um, we do do some recreational stuff, you know, get you outside as well. And, get you moving. Well, and fans. there's there's legendary uh, accordion performances at Ingo's house. I've oh. heard. I have oh, heard many times, many times I've heard about these stories. I will also say, while I can't give you my own personal endorsement, Vocal Fam, I, uh, of we've had so many friends of the podcast and in general who have done SVI um, who would highly recommend it. Uh, so I can, I can at least give it their endorsement. Um, I appreciate that. A- ab- absolutely, and and uh, we are just uh, thrilled, and and long may your reign continue as the as the hard hitting uh, uh, science and math program, but also bl- blending in the arts. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Oh. Um, uh, Ingo, Lynn, Brian, thank you so much for for joining us today. Sarah, what'd you have for breakfast? So, oh, you know, it was that Icelandic yogurt again. I'm not. I don't know. I don't think it's going to be a regular. It's not my. It's not my face. It's, t- it's time to switch. It's not it. my I- I'm still waiting for like we're right at that part of the year where like it switches to eggs for like two weeks. But so eggs, eggs, all, eggs also cost like twelve dollars for a dozen. That's true. To make a part of my morning, uh, and I'm going to be honest. I just, I just, I don't love eggs that much. I really, I really don't. They don't make me happy, and that's not how. Like I wake up and I want to be happy. Well. Anyway. Anyway. 
um, vocal fam. We will well, next the, the after this episode, uh, you will get to hear our episode. We finally finally get to hear our episode that we recorded with Dana Zanobi um, yeah. on using Voce Vista in diction class. Um, so that'll be an exciting episode that's coming up. Um, and we still got some very exciting episodes coming we coming do. Uh, March, l- later this April, spring. We've got Theodora yeah. Nesterova coming on, do an awesome episode with her. We're gonna have Pasquale Botalico and Josh Glasner and Yvonne Redmond to talk about their room acoustics yes. uh, research. Um, that that they recently time. got up, yeah. So it's it's, it's some it's, just us, some Ant Man, you know. Yes, we, our Ant Man review will definitely be up. But again, I'm going to put it up a week late because Sarah, somebody it's had my to, fault. Somebody it's had my to travel. Fault. I I was so silly. Wasn't me. So silly. Um, anyway, that's on me. all right. Um, anyway, that's it for us, Vocal yes. Fan. We're out. Peace. <laughs>